Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of smart, compassionate guests, you will come away with insights and tactics to help you find the agency and space to simplify and declutter your home, time, mental space, and more. Hello, friends. I have a special treat for you today. Though I closed last year with a trio of wonderful holiday episodes with Asha Dornfest, my former co-host here from the Locked Archives, you haven't heard Asha live on the mic since June 16th, 2022, when we did a check-in following her retirement from the show at the end of 2021. Asha has had a whole lot of living going on, and when I proposed today's conversation, she was like, yeah, I think I have a lot to say about all that. In broad strokes, I wanted to talk to Asha about the journey of centering oneself after years of pouring out energy in the care and support of others. Why? Because the challenge of focusing on yourself, whether it's care for yourself, pursuing hobbies, work goals, what have you, is an ongoing struggle for pretty much everyone I talk to. And it is an issue that becomes even more complicated if you are in a position where you are actively parenting and supporting aging parents or other relatives. I actually have a number of sandwich generation topic requests from listeners that I'm hoping to tackle this year. So if you have other things that are on your mind, please do email me as I'm building out this calendar. Just for a little context, for Asha, this has looked like grieving and holding others amidst her dad's unexpected death, launching two kids from the nest as they went off to college, the massive undertaking of supporting her mom's transition to clean out and sell their family home and relocate her to Asha City. These are just three things, and they are a lot. Asha has written in-depth and beautifully, of course, about these things and more at her substack called Parent of Adults. It's ashadornfest.substack.com. I will link it in the notes and definitely recommend you subscribe to her newsletter and also follow her on Instagram to hear more from her on a regular basis. But I'm really, really excited about this conversation, and I think you will find it reflective and beautiful, and it will likely give you much food for thought. Now, before we get to that conversation, I did want to issue another request to ask that you would consider completing a short Edit Your Life survey. It's at edityourlifeshow.com slash survey. It shouldn't take you 
a ton of time. Most of the questions are multiple choice. And then there are open-ended questions that you can choose to go into as little or as deeply as you want. I love your feedback always. I want to hear from you to know how I can improve the show, what you want to hear about, what problems I can help you solve. So I'm here for all the feedback. And I would be so grateful if you would complete the survey. So head on over to edityourlifeshow.com slash survey and fill that form out. We'll be right back. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Well, hi, Asha. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm very well. As I set up in the introduction, it's been a while since we've been on the mic together. In fact, it's been a year and a half, and I have a lot of questions for you. So I hope you're feeling ready to do whatever you want to do, really. Well, no, I'm I'm not only feeling ready, I'm having this, you know, emotional experience sitting here in my little office. It's dark outside. It's very early in the morning. I mean, this is what you and I did for many, many years. And so there is a certain um, muscle memory I have for this, which is really amazing. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I just thought, Hey, Christine and I'll have a little conversation, but it's it it just feels more than that. So I'm very I'm very happy to be here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you are open to it. And listeners, if you're newer to us, you will not know this, but Asha and I used to record at 6 a.m. her time <laughs> to accommodate my work stuff too. And Asha's an early riser. And so anyway, I'm I'm glad you accommodated to easing up to 
meet at seven o'clock your time. <laughs> yeah, I slept in. You slept in. <laughs> All right. Well, Asha, I have a lot of questions for you because I've just, you know, as a friend and as a colleague and all the things I've watched you with great interest and care and love over the last few years or last couple of years since you have left the show. And there's been a lot going on in your life. Um, mm. So I thought we could talk about that, especially in the context of the sandwich generation. I know some people are not into that term, but it mm-hmm. is a real term. And I actually have a lot of questions related to the sandwich generation and the struggles therein that I'm hoping to address this year. And so I thought it would be really inspirational and wonderful to kick off the series, not with the listener questions, but just direct questions I have about your arc over the last few years. So I'm mm-hmm. going to dive right in. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm ready. I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. I want to start by talking about grief. Right before life changed, as we all knew it, with the pandemic and lockdown, you lost your dad. We talked about this on the show before your departure. And now it's a little hard to believe, I'm sure for you as well, we're approaching the four-year anniversary of your dad's passing. I'm curious to hear where you are in this respect, as much as you are willing to share. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for asking. Second of all, when I thought about the words four-year anniversary, I couldn't believe it because Mm -hmm. not because, you know, time has flown or anything, but because it takes a really long time or it has taken me a really long time to process his passing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just super briefly, um, for those of you who don't know, um, well, first of all, I'm an only child. I think that's really important to say Mm -hmm. up front. So my relationship with my dad has always been uh, you know, it's just I think it's a particular relationship when when you're a family of three. Um, and so my dad died uh, very suddenly, suddenly, unexpectedly. He mm-hmm. was just a like a fit, healthy guy. Um, I mean, he was in his 80s, but he caught some sort of mystery virus, which was a mystery um, in February of 2020. And um, over the period of a week. Um, died in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. so um, they say it wasn't COVID. I'm not 100% sure. But but I think it's just important for me to frame this conversation by saying it was a surprise. It was unexpected. It sort of came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then from that place of shock and grief, we went into lockdown. Mm -hmm. So there was no memorial. We didn't even have a Zoom memorial. We did not really do anything that one would do to mark his passing. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's more to tell you, but I I don't want to spend a bunch of time on the preamble. Um, I will say that my experience of um, processing my grief over my dad's death has been both the most difficult thing I've ever done and the most transformative thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of why when I think about you know, the before times when we talk about, you know, before the pandemic, for me, it was also before uh, my dad was gone. And so it's this it's this layered sense that really, truly life is different. And I will say now that, um, you know, I I I will say that I have processed this grief it, uh, and I've come to realize that grief is something that I will always carry with me like. His loss is now something that I just bring with me wherever I go. And 
that sounds sad. And obviously it is sad that he's gone, but I'm no longer an enemy. Um, It's not my enemy anymore. Let's put it that way. Mm. It's something that's familiar that I carry with me. And um, not in the same way that depression is like a weight. This is more like, um, you know, sort of the dark side of love, um, which sounds, again, a little mysterious, but (laughs) there are very uh, there are very few words to describe how it actually feels, um, except to say that it, you know, the world actually feels uh, a little more luminous and a little more magical now because I I'm just so aware of how quickly it it can change. So. That's sort of where grief has left me. Um, I will also say that my dad, my relationship with my dad has evolved in these last years. I've learned more about him. I've talked more about him with my mom. Um, I very much wish that we had had a you know, funeral or memorial, but it just it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I have collected like pictures here and there and stories here and there. And those mean everything to me. So um, I am doing fine. I really am doing fine. Um, yes, it is. It is honestly a, a real um, gift to be able to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we haven't really dug into this topic in a while. So it's mm-hmm. really I actually am sitting here uh, with a smile on my face thinking about this long arc and um how challenging it was to not have that closure of some kind of service i mean early on i mean it was so early on really that people weren't even really doing zoom memorials i remember attend i ha- did attend one during the pandemic but it was well into it people were starting to get creative with those things but not having to, having the space for that closure it's yeah it's very hard to imagine yeah it it um yeah, it 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 I'm sure that my experience these last few years of processing my grief would have been different and easier had we had mm-hmm. some sort of memorial. Mm-hmm. Um it it truly is it's funny, it's just such a tangle because um that grief became completely intertwined with my grief over, you know, what we all experienced in our own ways during the pandemic, you know, the loss of kids school experiences, right? My kid was in the middle of junior year. And so, you know, junior year and senior year got obliterated. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this wasn't the only grief that we were, you know, that I was experiencing. And certainly we can all talk about that. Indeed. Um, (laughs) Well, speaking of your kids, they're both adults now, which is Mm. wild. One Mm -hmm. has graduated from college. The other who you just mentioned is in college. What is one of your biggest lessons learned? I'm thinking specifically around all of a sudden having space and flexibility, technically, maybe put that in air quotes, to really center yourself again and your interests. You have an empty nest while also, I imagine, still carrying a considerable amount of worry, care, feeling du jour about your kids who are off living their lives in another state. I really appreciate this question because it's sort of everything, isn't it? Um, You know, that coming back to yourself. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that there's there's no coming back to yourself because you're a completely different person when your kids are adults. Like, you know, they Mm -hmm. arrive and you sort of go through this thing and then they leave and you're a different person. I mean, in 
it's not unlike the story I just told about about grief. Um, although obviously this is completely wonderful, you know. So I would say one of the biggest lessons that I've learned was uh, it was actually quite sobering just how much I sidelined my own interests and priorities and even my own needs while, you know, I was actively parenting these children slash adults who lived in my house. Mm -hmm. So without even a a single thought, you know, and, you know, Christine, you and I talked about self-care for years. (laughs) Uh, You know, we talked minimalist parenting. We wrote a whole book about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I certainly never would have called myself you know, a hoverer, I, although would any of us really? Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the extent to which I sort of shoved my own needs and priorities aside without even noticing, mm. I don't think that was in any way clear to me until they were physically not here. Like they needed to physically not be here mm-hmm. for me to start. It was almost like I was so blinded by my love and care for my kids I just there was no radiant <laughs> there was no signal left for my own priorities. Mm. And that has been a journey for me to reconnect with what I love and realizing that what I love is not what I used to love before I was a parent. Um, it's it's new stuff. You know, I have new priorities. I have different interests now. So it really has been a process of getting to know myself and, mm. you know. That's that's big. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just big, you know, but it but it makes um, it makes for a more sort of spacious life. It's almost like you have a chance not only to look at yourself with new eyes, but everybody else, too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is making me think about. So as listeners who have been with me this year know and, you know, the front end of this year was very tumultuous for me. And I made this huge transition over the summer and a big leap. And that first month, I was a little bit confused. I mean, I was going from, you know, I think I wrote a Substack post about this, but I I was going from like 150 miles an hour to like 65 or 45 or whatever it was. And I just found myself, it was both wonderful and also really confusing to mm-hmm. just have different lanes of attention and different things to focus on or not focus on. And so I think it took about a month of me kind of stumbling around to figure out how to operate in a new way. When you think of it just offhand, was there some kind of period of time that it felt like you were in a fog and then came out? I'm so glad you talked about that specifically like the lanes of attention. That's totally fascinating phrasing because, uh, well, the short answer is yes. And stumbling around, I think that's how it felt. Stumbling Mm -hmm. around. Yes, I absolutely felt that way. And it was so disorienting and confusing is exactly the right word. And I think that um, the stumbling only started to get better once I accepted the stumbling. Like I had to just be like, Oh, like this is what we're doing now, <laughs> you know, and it, it's sort of funny, you know, the funny um, visual that comes to mind is like some sort of weird cartoon thing, like somebody falls off a, you know, off a cliff or something and, and they're flailing around while they're, you know, falling mm-hmm. through the air. And then at a certain point, they're just like, oh, OK, no, we're falling. And then they sort of realize they can just sort of, you know, like relax a little bit and just let the air go by. 
And anyway, that's not the greatest metaphor, obviously, because I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but it's just uh, it was sort of like, oh, yeah, like flailing and stumbling is sort of part of this. It's not mm-hmm. a problem, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it sort of feels like a problem, but it's not it, in the arc of things. It's not a problem. It's just part of the arc. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I did feel that way. And I think that when um, we talked about, you know, how many years it's really been this period of time, it's like, wow, that was that was a lot of flailing for a long time. But you can't you don't exactly get to predict that, do you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I must say it has been um, it has been so wonderful to watch you as you navigate this process of your own sort of you know like spaciousness creating this space in your life to not only you know not do things but also like be curious about what shows up you Mm -hmm. know and um i think that's part of the process so i do think that the only way to reduce the length of time one flails is to stop fighting against the flailing Mm. yes i agree i agree i would say even the well, you know, and listeners will know that I'm a recovering emotional robot. So I feel like <laughs> even the feelings around Laurel going off to college and sort of allowing myself to let the dam burst, <laughs> it took mm-hmm. time. It took time mm-hmm. and it came in waves. So I imagine that empty nest runway probably looks very similar in that it's variable. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking, I, I think I might have actually written this in a comment on Catherine Newman's wonderful, um, wonderful newsletter called Crone Sandwich. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with I am that a subscriber, newsletter. Yes. Well, she's fabulous. And, you know, I think I wrote something to the effect of empty nesting. Well, there are many, many reasons I give that term the side eye. But one of the reasons is it seems so discreet, like. One day the nest is full and then the next day the nest is empty. Like it's some event that happens, but really it just, it's sort of this process. I I, I think actually it's not unlike this flailing that we're talking about and it has waves and, you know, some days you're just like, this is great. Woo. You know? And then some days you're like, oh man, this is the, this is just, this is too much. They're too far away. I want them here right now immediately or whatever the feelings are. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising to have such a nuanced range of experiences. I just don't think there's a way to um, describe it until it actually happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I'm just glad I'm just glad we're talking about it. I'm glad that, you know, you are allowing for that process and just like surfacing it so that we can actually talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the gradual nature of transitions. So I wanted to ask you about something else. You are on the other side, logistically, of possibly one of the biggest challenges I have heard from fellow sandwich generation people, and that is moving your mom out of your childhood home and into a different living arrangement. This I've received a lot of questions about this and requests to address this, so I'm I'm going to address it further and in more depth in a future episode. For you, I know that many, many boxes and bags were involved. You even sent me a picture, a really triumphant picture of the last of those going out the door, which was unreal. It was really incredible. And there also was an incredible transformation to get your childhood home to market. 
I'm curious if you feel like there was a particular moment where you were able to pick your head up from all of the doing, all of the energy extended outward. Was there an act of care or kindness you gave to yourself after this huge transition? And if not, what should, what will it be? When will it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you, when you ask me that question, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer. If, the answer to was there an act of kindness or care? And I don't know. And I'm not sure if that's because I don't remember because my mm. mind honestly hasn't held on to a lot of those details. Or if the answer is no, there was no particular point at which I marked this immense transition, which like, okay, if I were talking to my friend, I'd be like, you better mark that. Like, let's mm-hmm. figure it out. What are we going to do? So Perhaps let's return to that because, Christine, you can help me with this. You can help me. Oh, I'm sure I can come up with a list of ideas for you. All right. All right. All right. So I don't know if that's going to happen on this podcast. Maybe it'll happen after we stop. I don't know, but you're going to help this. Okay, I'm giving us an assignment. We're going to talk about what I'm going to do. But, you know, the point is that um, uh, you said that you've received lots of questions about this process. Mm -hmm. I find that people want to talk about this process so much because. Like we're we all feel like we're walking blind into it. I mean, there Mm -hmm. just doesn't seem to be a framework in our, I don't know, framework in our culture or our economy or I don't know what it is um, to um, to to sort of receive this stage of life. And so, um, you know, I, I wish I could say like, well, now I know what I'm doing, and let me tell you, folks. But in some ways, it's like parenting. It's like you do it. And then you can offer what you've done and it may or may not apply. But um, I I still can't believe that actually my mom and I um, made that transition. So Mm -hmm. so the quick story is that um, when my dad died, my my parents lived in the house that I grew grew up in. So, you know, same house for 50 years. And uh, and so I basically by myself uh, cleaned the house up and got rid of a bunch of stuff and got it ready for market. And uh, I will tell you that that job has been um, like a boogeyman in my life for as long as I, I, as I've been adult, like I've been thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, I'm so, well, I, I was deathly afraid of my parents dying because I'm an, well, I mean, many of us are, it doesn't require being an only child, but I think as an only child, I had a particular fear of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I knew that my parents' very cluttered house would become my responsibility. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, it did. And now I'm on the other side of that. Um, There's so much that I could talk about, um, about how I went about doing it. But what I will say for now is that it's literally just a series of steps. Mm -hmm. And that sounds, that's unbelievably oversimplifying and at the same time it's not at all it was a series of you pick a thing up you decide what to do with it you you know give it to goodwill you throw it away and you know i i think in some ways in some ways it was harder for me because i was doing it alone um my mom was in was in shock and and couldn't really help a lot and she felt terrible about that Mm -hmm. but at the same time she was so helpful because she really allowed me to make a lot of decisions that made it all go quickly. Mm -hmm. So I say that it was hard because I was doing it alone. 
I will say now that there were some things that probably made it easier because there were no, you know, there was no confusion about what to do with things. I mean, there was my internal confusion, but no, you know, arguments or, you know, difficulties with siblings or anything like that, um, that I had to go through. And, you know, people show up in your life to help, to offer their support. Um, so I, you know, so I didn't really go through it alone. I went through the physical work of doing it alone, um, in many respects, but even that I had help from family friends. Um, so Gosh, I feel like I'm talking around the specifics, um, but the specifics are so unique to what we went through um, that it's going to take me a while to uh, it's going to take me a while to unravel them. I haven't even unraveled them for myself. Yeah. Well, that's that's I mean, it it was incredible to watch that process from a distance. And I'll say that. I don't know jokingly but maybe not jokingly i shall set up a google doc soon uh delineating a number of ideas for your acts of care and kindness to yourself <laughs> to celebrate that transition and i, I did want to mention i think that two things came to mind one is that and the related is that i think when you mentioned the process being so unique i think that's one of the big challenges is because humans are complicated our relationships to our stuff and our historical issues are very complicated. And on two episodes, one with Tracy McCubbin and one with Shira Gill, we were both talking about decluttering and organizing the issues of trauma related to stuff. And then also generational decluttering. I mean, it's very, very complicated. (laughs) So as you pointed out, while yes, there is the, you know, put put one foot in front of the other baby steps, take one item, figure out what to do with it. Depending on who's in the mix and who's in the room, that can get very complicated. So, and, so true. So I, true. I just, yeah. 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 And the second thing I'll just say, and we've talked about it, this on the show, but I just think in terms of how people deal with this stuff, you know, you said your mom was kind of in shock and I get that. And when my mom was moving out of our childhood home after my dad died, I mean, she had the benefit of seven children and she left the country. She flew to Korea and was like, okay, dumpsters arriving at this time. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to be out of the country. So you guys all clean the house out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I must have thrown away at least one very valuable Korean artifact. And I just didn't know what it was. There were a lot of rocks and things. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that so fascinating? It's I mean, so complicated. Well, it is complicated and You know, and that's why I feel like I'm, you know, I really want to show up for this question because it it is complicated. It is unique. And everything you say is absolutely true that we have different relationships to our stuff. I mean, there's so much there's so much about, uh, you know, giving up things because you have to acknowledge you're entering a new stage of your life, Mm -hmm. giving, you know, looking at things that bring up memories or stories that you didn't know. Um, So, I mean. I, I'm just barely scratching the surface, but the main thing that I would want to say is that there has to be a way that we can all go through this together, even yes. though we are individually experiencing unique things. Again, not unlike parenting. Obviously, our families are unique. Our children are unique. We bring our unique histories to our own parenting and our own relationships. That, you know... So, but if we try to do that by ourselves in our own little silo, then 
you know, we're lost. We have to come together. I mean, that's what makes it so great to talk about it like this on a podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, and for people to be able to listen. It's like a little window into each other's lives. We have to find those windows and open them, Mm -hmm. you know, and like sort of call to each other from these windows so that we can start doing our individual lives and our unique lives, doing them together. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Asha. Well, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to drill into some conversation around recentering and tactics, which you know I love. We'll be right back. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful, beloved, luminous Asha Dornfest. Asha, I'm putting you on the hot seat now. We're doing it. Okay. So obviously... Your care for others is ongoing. As far as I can tell in my personal experience anyway, adult children still need you. You are the point person for your mom who now lives in your city. Plus, you're married. So there's a level of care there that we haven't even covered and aren't really going to get to. Sorry, Rail. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm really, really curious. As you think of the big picture now, having made it to the other side of a very long runway of outward facing care. I mean, when I was laying out these questions, I was like, wow, okay, here's one thing. And then here's another huge thing. And then here's another huge thing. What are you thinking about in terms of centering yourself? Like creatively, logistically, what possibilities are lighting you up? Of course, just as much as you're willing to share or or even know at this point. (laughs) Uh, Ah. You ask the best questions. <laughs> I love Listeners, asking questions. <laughs> you, you know, it, being interviewed by Christine or being asked these questions is really a treat. I feel very, I don't know, feel lucky. Um, so having made it to the other side, that's an interesting phrasing because I, 
Uh, you know, it's funny when you make it to the other side of something, you look ahead of you and you're like, oh, oh, look, right. You know, there's just more sides to make it to the other <laughs> side of. Right. But, but this is a great question. Um, okay. So I, what's lighting me up right now um, has to do with what I was just talking about earlier about, you know, opening those windows to each other. And that is um, I'm writing a newsletter. In some ways, I've gone back to blogging, like old mm -hmm. school blogging. I'm not really on social media so much anymore. I'm not talking on a podcast anymore. Um, I'm writing a newsletter um, on Substack called Parent of Adults. And it's all about this empty nesting, you know, sort of coming back to myself moment of parenting and um, really trying to put some words and thoughts around this transition, not only as a parent, but just as a, you know, human um, mm -hmm. uh, talking about all the topics that we're talking about here. And I'm really placing this newsletter at the conversational center of a, of a community I'm hoping to build, mm -hmm. you know, for other folks who are in similar stages of life or even folks who aren't in similar stages of life, but want to talk about what's going on. Um, and this newsletter has been such a centering focus for me, um, even as I have really struggled to write it. And I will say that, you know, I, who have been a writer for, honestly, I mean, my whole career, this has been some of the most challenging writing I've ever done, which really surprised me. I mm -hmm. thought I would just slide right in like, this is no problem. But um, turns out uh, this it, it, it's not that the writing is so hard. It's that um, I was still mid flail and I didn't realize it. <laughs> so finding the, you know, understanding what was actually going on in order to find the words for it um, has has taken time. It's part and parcel of the reason why I realized that um, I needed to pause my podcasting all that time ago, Christine, which was I could not quickly turn around and mm -hmm. I couldn't turn around on what was happening to me and describe it. I, mm -hmm. I had to sort of sit there stunned, uh, silent for a time um, so I could actually find words. So anyway, my newsletter is an ongoing process, but it has been such a creative um, well for me to dip into. And most importantly, a place to listen to other people, because mm -hmm. I am definitely coming to my newsletter as a like, this is what's going on with me, but really I'm here to listen to what's going on with you. Mm, and so mm -hmm. that has been, that has been huge. And, you know, there's another big piece here, which we're not going to get into too much, but like I am on the cusp of a whole new chapter with my husband rail. Like mm -hmm. we're looking to, you know, we're looking to adventure a little bit. Like it's, it's time, you know, this pandemic life, um, you know, is ready for a new, you know, brush up and shaking a little, you know, shaking things up a little bit. So, you know, there's that too, for sure. But creatively, I'm I, really, it's about creating this community around my, around my newsletter, Parent of Adults. Yes, it it is wonderful. I mean, it inspired me to take that leap as well to jump over to Substack, which I love and find mm -hmm. so uh, fulfilling and just wonderful. And it's, also like just a great space for me to write, but 
Yeah, you and Rail have, and you have done some adventuring. I mean, you kicked off some big adventuring this this over this past year. So that's been really awesome to see. It's if we think in our metaphors and we think about this long runway, and you mentioned, you know, that there's just more sides to get to. It it definitely feels like that. I kind of watch you too and think, oh, okay, like so that's something that's possible, and that's something that's possible, <laughs> and wow, that's really interesting. That feels impossible right now, but maybe it's in my future. <laughs> So right, I think all the right. sharing you're doing there and on Instagram, which I mentioned in the, I mentioned both of those things in the intro and we'll link them up in the notes, but it's been um, really beautiful to see. And it makes me just really happy for you. Thank <laughs> happy you. For you. Thank both. you. I, you know, and I, I don't share much. And so I, I actually feel like I want to share more, not like, look world, this is my fabulous life. I don't mean that. I mean, more like I want to remember to tell some of these stories. Yes. Again, from that perspective of, of opening the window and just saying, you know, this is what's up. This, Mm -hmm. this is what's up in this moment. It's not, you know, it's not an answer. It's not advice. It's just, this is what's happening with me. What's happening with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, Asha, as you know, I love tactics and (laughs) I was hoping to hear from you about sharing tactics that you have found useful in this journey. It's an ongoing journey and it could actually, it occurs to me since it is an ongoing process, it could be things that you wish to do. It doesn't need to necessarily be doing, be things that are happening right now. And I was thinking about this in terms of the realms of brain, body, and home. I don't know if this rings familiar, but you might recall that this is a tactic that John and I used for a long time with our kids over the summer. So the idea was, okay, you can have plenty of free space, but you need to do one thing for your brain, one thing for your body, and one thing for your house or your nest each day. And I just feel like that's a good application here. So whether it's (laughs) something that's ongoing or three things that are ongoing, or three things that you wish to do in the future, how would you like to recenter around your brain, your body, and your home? All right, before I answer this, first of all, that's such great framing. Second of all, um, you know, I'm a big picture person, and you're a tactics person, to to be, like, ridiculously oversimple, (laughs) because you're also a big picture person, obviously. I sure miss having you talking about tactics in my life because let me just say, I, you know, like I flail more now that there is not weekly Christine (laughs) bullet points just, you know, sort of flowing through my, my daily, my, my daily, you know, sort of experience. Um, Anyway, this is a great question. I, and I can actually answer it. So, okay. So brain, Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two tactics. The first one is a biggie. And it's meditation. I have come to um, a regular meditation practice. And I will say that uh, it has taken me places that nothing ever Mm. has before. And I'm just going to leave that right there because I know that many people have opinions about meditation, thoughts about meditation and, you know, what it means and what it is. And I'm just going to leave that there and say that um, meditating has not been what I expected. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. unbelievably practical. So that has been something that, um, you know, we can talk about more in the future sometime if you ever want to, um, Mm -hmm. the other tactic, um, for my brain has been putting my phone in the other room for Mm -hmm. periods of time. I literally have become 
concretely aware how much uh, my phone interruption and my tendency toward distraction really ruins my train of thought for anything that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I now physically separate myself from my phone for periods of time. And it really, really helps. So that has been great for my brain. Um, I would love hearing that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't put it in my pocket. I don't leave it next to me on the table. I literally have to put it somewhere else. So um, that is an ongoing journey, let's just say. Um, For my body, well, daily movement is key. And um, at a minimum, that's a daily walk. So this is definitely an ongoing journey because I have always struggled to create a an exercise habit or sort of integrate fitness into my life. Um, But I'm, you know, it's funny. I find myself like resisting the words exercise and fitness right now, because really it's just your body. It's just moving your body. Yes. Moving. Mm -hmm. And so I find myself very curious about pursuing some sort of activity or a sport, maybe even where I can actually make progress and move sort towards some sort of mastery. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about like, I want to become some Olympic level, you know, or marathon level, anything. I'm just, I kind of want to commit myself to a practice. And so I'm, I have, I have sort of skirted around the edges of running for years and, Mm -hmm. um, and yoga as well. And I'm interested in those things. I will say that I'm also for some reason afraid to begin a practice. I'm not exactly sure where that fear is coming from. I need to think about that. Or maybe I don't need to think about that. Maybe what I need to do is just start for two minutes and not mm-hmm. think about it. But um, that's where I'm at with body. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So question marks. Well, if I may make a comment, by the time this episode airs, I'm sure I will be in the middle of Yoga with Adrian's January um, challenge, which mm. I think is called Flow. And our good friend KJ... And I kind of hate using the word challenge, but I just did. And I think that's what (laughs) that might be the word she uses. Anyway, our good friend KJ Delantonio was the one who turned me on to this channel. It's a free YouTube channel. And every January she does a series, a daily series. And so I have just found it wonderful. I've done it the last three or four years, maybe ever since KJ told me about it. And and I talked about this in my um first episode of the year. But one of the things that I do around that challenge is I don't put myself on the hook to do it in sequence. I finish it, but I just give myself the space to do other things. Like if I'm going for a big dog hike or something that day, then I probably won't do yoga that same day. And it's just to give yourself a little bit of space and permission around that process. I find it makes it totally doable. And then you're not setting yourself up for failure and the pressure of like a daily challenge that you need to do. So I would recommend, and the practices are usually in the past have been maybe 15 or 20 minutes each day. They're not a huge investment of time. You have loved yoga with Adrian for a long time. And even hearing you say those words, giving yourself space and permission. I mean, like I felt something inside me just go, ah, like mm-hmm. that fear thing I was just talking about. Ah, I mean, that's so straightforward. But anyway, yes, I think that's um, that's really interesting. And I'll check it out. Um, you know, so finally, you you asked about home. Yes. Um, well, I will say that my experience clearing out my mom's house um, gave me a new perspective on clearing out our own house. Um, you may have heard the phrase death cleaning. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, that sounds that sounds so alarming, but it's really not. Um, and I, I realize that that true top to bottom, it's not even a declutter. It's really a, a sort of reset of your home. You know, I, eventually Rail and I are going to downsize and it's time to start going through our stuff. And so we're just doing it in the most casual way, um, you know, they're possible. We don't have a big deadline or anything like that. But I, I, I am starting to really take stock of the things in our home. And I understand now in a very visceral way that every item in our home will eventually be an item somebody has to pick up and decide something, you know, mm-hmm. decide what to do with. And so I'm just doing it and, and real. I mean, this is a definite shared job. So that's so sort of where I'm at right now, just spending, you know, even five minutes just going, oh, yeah, here we are. I, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, like look and see what's on my desk and see what I don't need anymore. Um, so that has been uh, a really enlightening process. Yeah, I imagine. And how fascinating. I mean, some might say, wow, after emptying your childhood home and getting it ready for market, you might want to not even think about um, declaring (laughs) anymore for like years. And I kind of love that you just were like, okay, let's keep the momentum going. And it won't surprise you or anyone listening to know that I've also been thinking about this a lot. I just, I think about this all the time, kind of what burdens and gifts we leave our children with, you know, on uh, on the other side of things or as you're decluttering your home or downsizing. And I have a recurring weekly item on my to-do list that I've jokingly called the seven-year declutter. (laughs) (laughs) And I just tackle one tiny thing each each week and it makes Mm -hmm. it a little bit little bit doable. You know, it might be Mm -hmm. giving away some puzzles on everything is free in my city or Passing along lately, my obsession has been breaking down to donate or regift Lego sets, of which we had many. So I just finished that process. Actually, it was very, very satisfying. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's amazing, Asha. Thank you for sharing that. Well, my final question for you is something you will know the drill for. I hope, or I hope you'll remember. But as you may recall. Every episode concludes with your next edit, which is something super actionable and tangible people can consider doing after they put down their headgear or their earbuds or whatever. So I would love to hear what your next edit is in the context of our conversation today, Asha. So, of course, I remember your next edit, which was your genius idea when we first started this podcast. Um, I, I love distilling so much of what we talked about into a, in action and there's so many ways I could go with it. Um, I think I'm going to focus on on the, the phone thing because that seems to be underpinning a lot of other things that I'm doing in life, which is, you know, I'm going to suggest a little experiment basically for the next few days or week or whatever you'd like to do. Maybe try spending, you know, your first, say, 15 to 30 minutes of the day right after you wake up without your phone. Don't look at it. Don't even go near it. Just I mean, unless it's your alarm clock and you have to turn it off, fine. But then leave it in the other room and use the, that, that 30 minutes where you've woken up. You don't yet have that jangly mental experience on board um, that, at least for me, happens after I use my phone. And use that time to, you know, maybe read or journal or make your lists or, or exercise or just drink your tea or your coffee or whatever it is you usually do in the morning and just 
see if you just take a moment to notice if you feel different. Like, does it feel more mentally settled? I know for me, I physically feel different when I do that. I notice it's like shaking a snow globe and all the snow settles down. I feel like my mind is like that when I start my day without my phone. Whereas if I look at my phone, I like my mind is like all that snow flying all over the place. So anyway, give it a try. See, see what you think. It's a value free judgment about phones. It's just an experience to try. I think that's wonderful. And that imagery about the snow globe, I think is really, really on point. That's awesome. Asha, this was such a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to come on and chat and to share so much of yourself with me and our listeners today. I loved this conversation and I appreciate you. As you know, I hope. (laughs) Well, I am. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to control myself here, but, but it really means everything for me to be back here. I, I have missed this experience, which was really, truly one of the, you know, sort of great, um, ex- like transformative experiences of my, my, I guess you could say working life, but also just my life. And so, um, not to mention just being here with you, just you and me talking about this stuff. So thank you for letting me come here and and just making this space for me and and for us. Wonderful. All right. Take care, Asha. We'll hopefully talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Friends, wasn't that just beautiful and wonderful and nourishing to hear Asha back here again? I loved it so much. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life, a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.